It is so very excellent to be back. This is the QTR Podcast. I am QTR. Today is September 3rd, 2021. Very stoked to have the one, the only, Larry Lapard here to talk with me and make sense of it all because really everything is going to shit and I have a million questions I want to ask him. Things that I have opined on, I know where I stand on them and People that have been reading my uh, new blog, Fringe Finance, that I've been writing almost daily. The link to that is in the podcast description. They know how I feel about it, but I really I want to get buy-in from the people whose opinions I respect the most. Larry fits that bill. That's why I'm so happy to have him with me today. This podcast, like all of my podcasts, is brought to you by my patrons. Patrons are people who sign up and donate a monthly recurring sum to help support the podcast. I'm going to shout out some of those patrons. I'll give you two rules for the podcast, and we will get well on our way. First and foremost, I want to shout out my exclusive gold and silver providers over at JM Bullion. JM Bullion is the only place that I buy my gold and silver bullion. They have done over $3 billion in sales. They've been around for nearly a decade now. They are a reputable gold and silver bullion dealer. They always ship my orders very quickly. They have lots of inventory in stock. And QTR podcast listeners have their very own salespersons. You don't want to deal with going on the website and bullshit with rooting through, you know, online stuff. Just email the lovely Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at jmbullion.com. She is there for QTR podcast listeners only. She would be more than happy to answer any questions you have, get you familiar. If you've never ordered bullion before, it can be like people can be nervous about ordering bullion through the mail. These guys do an incredible job. Email Laura. Tell her I sent you. The link to JM Bullion is in my podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by my friends over at the Sang Lucci Steam Room. The Steam Room is the best piece of software for tracking money coming into the illiquid options market, which can oftentimes tell you where the underlying equities are going to move. The Steam Room is a beautiful piece of software. It really, it helps you read tape. It helps you see where the big money is going in the market. And that can be very valuable information. It's a strategy that Sang Lucci and Wall Street Jesus have been using for a decade successfully. It's the type of product that can pay for itself. Uh, if you get a chance to check out the Steam Room, they'll give you a free trial. Reach out to Sang Lucci. Tell them QTR sent you. Tell them you want a free trial of the product. No credit card, no bullshit, no nonsense. They'll get you in the Steam Room so you can see how crucial the information is that they're providing when you get Great visibility on where money is coming into the options market. So the Steam Room is a beautiful piece of software I recommend by a friend of mine, uh, Sang Lucci, big supporter of the podcast, all-around great guy, honest person to do business with. The link to that is in the podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by my buddy George Gammon over at the Rebel Capitalist Pro platform, an incredible platform if you look at the macro world the way that we do through a skeptical lens. Basically, we think it's all bullshit George Gammon is there honestly trying to figure things out in the very same way that we are. He does a fantastic job. He's teamed up with Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh and guys like Brent Johnson. They do live streams. I think what seems like almost every day I see another one on there. They do live Q&As. They have a great online forum for discussing different investments and model portfolios. Uh, George Gammon's Rebel Capitalist Pro is a wonderful product. Uh, I highly recommend it. And again, George will make sure that you get a free trial if you want it. Just tell him that the Q-Man sent you, and he will make sure that you get taken care of 
Finally, this podcast brought to you by my friends over at the Doomberg Terminal, which is one of my favorite new substacks to read. The best part about it is it is 100% free. The Doomberg Terminal is also a free follow on Twitter. I got to say, Doomberg just wrote a great piece yesterday about Tether being a Ponzi scheme. You can check it out. Their link is in the podcast description, and their Twitter link uh, is also in the podcast description. Uh, Doomberg has become a great read. They also look at the market through a skeptical lens, um, and I think a lot of my readers would uh, really enjoy it as a read. Um, I certainly enjoy it as a read, and so uh, happy to recommend uh, Doomberg and thank them very much for supporting the podcast. This podcast also brought to you by my new column, Fringe Finance, which is also available at Substack. Link is in the podcast description. This podcast also brought to you by newest patrons, William J. Brooks, Penapop, Ryan King, Sam Hernandez, John Ritchie, Charles Sharp, my friend Mark Wilcox, Anonymous, my buddy Nathan Hinchin, Anthony Dench, Adam Schindler, Nick Grinups, Texas Pete is in the house, Philip McCrevis is still here, Scrooge McDuck, David Reed, thank you guys so much. So many people have reached out on PayPal. Uh, another guy just emailed me just moments ago. Uh, telling, I think Mr. his name is Mr. Edwards. Thank you very much for showing some love, my friend. I got your email. I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to write back. Doug Briner, Jim Thomas, you guys have been incredible. And some patrons that have been with me for a while, I want to shout out too. Like Benjamin W., Peter Masso, uh, and uh, my friend Mick Dosty and Guy Loopy. Thank you so much for your continued support. This podcast has a three-drink minimum. None of this is investment advice. I uh, don't have any clue what I'm talking about, and uh, most of those disclaimers go for my guests too, although my guest today is much smarter than I am, and that's why I'm happy to have him uh, on the program. This podcast also has a three-drink minimum. Did I mention that? Did I mention I'm not a financial advisor? Did I mention everything's going to shit? Because I'm mentioning it all right now. Can we get on with the show? By the way, this is from my new studio. So if you can hear background noise because I'm in the city or if everything is fucked up and the audio sucks, uh, just know that I'm sorry. And this is my first test run from here. I tried to make shit sound good. Chances are it doesn't because I just at war with fucking audacity and my podcast setup and the computer and everything. And I don't have shit set up where I want Everything is fucked. Let's bring Lawrence Lepard on. How does that sound? All right, Larry Lepard manages the EMA Garb Fund, a Boston-based investment management firm. Their strategy is focused on providing monetary debasement insurance, and he has 38 years' experience and an MBA from Harvard Business School, apparently a small community college uh, up near Boston that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, and he likes to curse. I put that in your bio. I don't know why. You must that have said true. that to me. <laughs> yeah. Chris, you inspire me. <laughs> How are you, dude? I, I'm just fine. I'm good, man. I'm just following your lead. Don't hold the HBS stuff against me. I I was young and foolish, but I, I did learn some stuff there, and I met some really sleazy people. So. Yeah. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe you haven't been on since May. And Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're busy, and I'm busy too. Right? Well, so much shit has gone down, and I want to take you a little bit outside of your comfort zone, which I know is precious metals. And I want to ask you your stance on what's going on with China. Right now, the Chinese government is appears to be cracking down in a very big way uh, in what to me looks to be an effort to take uh, billionaires in the country and a lot of the major corporations and bring them closer to the state. I mean, my analysis of what's happening is, uh, you know, Jack Ma went out and started running around 
like an asshole and running his mouth too much a couple years ago. And Xi Jinping said, it's time to rope all this bullshit in. And all of these companies were coming and listing in the U.S., uh, you know, many of which were defrauding U.S. investors, which I don't think necessarily bothered China. But it, it became a little bit of a free-for-all. And I think Xi Jinping woke up one morning and realized a lot of these companies and entrepreneurs were getting too big to kind of rope in. And so we've had this giant crackdown uh, from China. Uh, they announced yesterday they're going to they're gonna open their own stock exchange in Beijing also. I wanted to get your take. Have you been following that story or no? Yeah, you know, it, it's I'm following it at a very superficial level, Chris, and your, your level of knowledge of it is, is certainly exceeds mine. Um, you know, China's a mess, right? It, it, it's it's a situation where you've got, you know, this command control, you know, communist society, but they're trying to run capitalism. And, you know, the two are rubbing up against each other. And it's no surprise that eventually this would happen. I mean, they, you know, they've got a fatal flaw in the in the structure there. Right. Um, so I, I agree with everything you say, but, you know, I'm not heads down looking through the weeds. I, I was at a conference up in uh, Bretton Woods, um, a monetary conference where a lot of smart macro guys were there. And a comment they all made that I thought was fascinating was that Taiwan is, is, is in a lot of trouble. You know, that, that they could all see that they thought within between two and five years, China would move on Taiwan. We wouldn't have the guts to protect them. And that, you know, things like... Um, you know, TMSC has uh, announced they're building a, a fab facility in Arizona, and that's and that's why. It's, they, they compared it to getting the family, you know, you move the family silver before you know you're going to get invaded. Right. Um, so, so you know, it, yeah, I mean, and, and it's, I also find it interesting that, you know, it, it parallels this. I know you're not a huge Bitcoin fan, but, you know, it parallels the throwing the Bitcoin miners out of, out of China as well. You know, I mean, Bitcoin just doesn't work with China, right? They, they just can't have that shit going on. And they've obviously made the gold bet. Um, you know, they've been buying a lot more gold than they've reported, you know, because everyone in Switzerland can tell you the numbers. And so, you know, it, it strikes me that if in the currency realignment it's likely to occur, China wants to bet on gold, which is why, arguably, you know, there's some pretty smart macro guys, including guys who are connected to folks in the Pentagon who believe that, you know, the way for the U.S. to counter that would be for the U.S. to go to a, a Bitcoin neutral reserve currency standard versus a gold, you know, reserve well, do you think, standard. Do you think that the U.S. would stand idly by if China moved on Taiwan? God, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm not a military or geopolitical guy. And I, you know, I, I try to avoid, I mean, I, look, I'm really, I'm simple, right? I, I'm, 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 you know, deeply burrowed in on sound money. I can talk sound money until the cows come home, every angle on it, all the history, all that stuff. When I get away from that stuff, I get in trouble. I mean, I, I got criticized, uh, you know, Trump's kid with some comment on the, on the web, you know, on Twitter the other day, and uh, <laughs> I just got totally flamed by all these Trump supporters. And so, I, you know, I hate all politicians. I try to avoid them all, and I, and I'm not really a great macro thinker in terms of China, um, you know. But it, it, it obviously is going to come to play in, in the sound money world, and. You know, they've got a problem. I mean, they've had the same kind of credit bubble forming there that we've got forming here. Right. And, you know, they must be sitting there thinking to themselves, you know, shit, how the hell do we manage this thing? I mean, if this if this thing collapses, we're going to have a lot of unhappy, unhappy people. So, you know, but they're doing the social credit score stuff. I mean, it's it's bad. It's really bad. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you focused in on this. Have you you know, have you followed carefully what's going on in Australia? Oh, my I mean, God. I do. I right? do. I do want to talk about that, but I don't want to get off. China. Okay, yeah, stay, you want to stay on China? I, yeah, I just I don't but, know that well, I got a lot. But, to the I know, but I have Chris, a follow-up question for you on China because okay. <clears throat> um, 
I think that uh, I think that what's going on in Australia is absolutely batshit insane. And right. I did want to talk about that. Um, yep. I wanted to, though, query you quickly about whether or not you know about this rumor that China is hoarding way more gold than it is letting on. And, oh, that that I that I strongly believe to be true, and uh, you know, Ronan Manley, and I mean, there's there's a, I mean, I follow the gold stuff like a hawk, right? And there's there's enormous evidence that China has a lot more gold than they reported. I mean, they could have, you know, we 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 allegedly have eight thousand tons, actually eight thousand three hundred tons of Fort Knox. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that they have between fifteen and twenty five thousand tons, and you can see it through the Swiss export numbers. I mean, for the last fifteen years, all the gold has been flowing out of other places in the world into Switzerland, where it gets refined. The Chinese, what they like is they like these kilo bars, you know, so they they re remelt it and, and they like it four nines. A lot of you, you know, a lot of the gold in the world is, is less than four nines purity, and so they you know they refine it in Switzerland down to, to the four nines and off it goes to China. And you know those are almost publicly available numbers, and in many cases some of it is publicly available, some's not. And so you know it's either in the government or in the people or both. I mean there was a time if you recall. Back in like the early 2000s, three, four, five, I mean, the government was actually pushing people to buy gold. I mean, they were pushing their citizens to buy gold. I mean, they they realized that it was strategically important. You know, they wanted to have a, a wealthy populace, and they and you know, I've I've long contended that they can see the end game. They're you know, they think much more strategically and long term than we do. There's a lot of you know, Luke Roman and others have brought out all the evidence that there's a lot of evidence that they understand that you know we screwed up in '71. I mean, they know it, and and they've been planning for it. So let's, but as to, as to, to answer your question on Taiwan, I, I just don't know. I, you know, I kind of, I kind of, I take the other side of those guys, those macro guys say, Oh, it's gone in two to five years. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, look, we're both nuclear armed. Um, it's a, you know, it's a hot spot. We're supposed to defend them. Japan is right there too. I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure the wars are, you know, going forward wars are going to be fought in a kinetic sense. I mean, I think that a lot of people are, are thinking that, they're kind of winning and there, and there aren't even shots being fired. And so why not just let, you know, if, if I were them, you know, I might just kind of keep winning as long as we keep doing stupid shit, you know, they're going to get ahead of us. Right. What is um, China's like official disclosed uh, gold holdings? You know, I haven't tons? looked recently. I remember it was a couple thousand ounces. I mean, there was a time a few years ago. It was like a couple thousand tons. You mean, or, I'm sorry, a couple thousand tons. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it, was, it used to be 15, 1,500 tons. You can go look look it up on the web. I just haven't yeah, looked well, recently. So I wrote, it's creeped up to maybe 2,000, maybe 3,000. I don't know, something like that. Small compared I, to us. I wrote yeah. this uh, article on my Substack, uh, you know, speculating that the country would back the digital yuan with gold because I was right. doing some research. And this uh, article that I read and researched for uh, the piece that I was writing uh, by uh, – it was in a publication called Money Week – said that their um, officially declared holdings were 1,948 uh, tons, but right. that, uh, you know, analysis uh, by this guy Nick Laird at Gold Charts. Uh, he's good, us, too. Yeah, he's got yeah, great data. His yeah. analysis said that their gold held in China could be around 28,911 tons, which is wow. like, you know, 15 or 20 times what they are supposed to be holding. And it, I mean, if that's true, uh, something is it, going on behind the scenes, right? It, it, yeah, it, it would it would not surprise me. I mean, we, you know, obviously it's a pick, so none of us know. But 
it's clearly way bigger than the 19, you know, that you talked about 1900. And it's, you know, it's got to be 10 or more and it could be 28. I mean, it's a, it's a big number. And I think you're very smart to be focusing in on the digital wand being backed by gold. I mean, I, I do think that's probably where they're going. I mean, I think all these, all these control guys, you know, all these evil governments are going to try and force us into CBDCs, you know, central bank controlled digital currencies, which is just Orwellian. I mean, if they, they could see every single transaction, they could put taxes on you. I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrible. And, you know, anyone thinks that that's going to beat out Bitcoin. I mean, the people who buy Bitcoin, there's no way they're going to buy a CBDC unless they're forced to, which, you know, that's a different matter, right? I mean, it's... Well, what do you, you know, think, the, the, what do you think it looks like if China backs the digital yuan with gold? Like, how, how long does it take for them well, to do that? What does their plan look like to, you know, is it a yeah, decade-long thing? Is it a generational yeah, thing? Is it what? a lot. Well, well one, of the, one, of the, one of the problems here is that, you know, China, you can't, their capital controls in China, right? You can't get money in and out. So, you know, if, if they're going to make a play, I mean, doing that was, would imply that they're saying to themselves, okay, we want to be the world's reserve currency, right? Screw the dollar. You know, we're going we're gonna to be the world's reserve currency. Well, okay, but it's it's hard to be the world's reserve currency when you have the political regime that they've got. You know, it's also hard when you've got, you know, kind of the the unopened markets and the unopened capital flows that they've got. I mean, you know, part of what makes the dollar the reserve currency is it's it's damn liquid and the market is really deep. And so, yeah, it could be a form a sound form of money cuz, you know, one you know, whatever the units are, it's backed by gold. And of course, that would have to be tested and have to be exchangeable for gold, by the way. I, mean, I think we're in a world where, you know, just saying something is backed by something, that's no good. I mean, you've got to actually be able to go in and say, okay, you know, here, I'm going to transfer my CBDC to you right now and I want you to give me a gold coin. Because as you know, and as we talked about in the past, I mean, there's just so much paper gold out there. Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why gold has essentially kind of failed. And I hate to say that because I love gold, but. You know, I mean, look at what's going on, Chris. Look at how fucking crazy it is that, you know, the amount of money that's been printed. I mean, we've got 25% of the, all the money ever printed in the last 20 months. I mean, right. it's nuts. And gold's not even at an all-time high. It's like, what the fuck is that all about? I mean, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. Gold should be at 5,000. Yeah, that's, you know, it's and, baffling, and, and, isn't it? It's, it's totally baffling. And here we are struggling to get through 2,000. Well, okay. I mean, yeah, so, you know, logical minds. I mean, you got to just go to first principles. It's because they've created paper gold. You know, I mean, everyone saw it that Sunday night in August. Uh, and Bitcoin is the... probably taking some of that. Oh, there's uh, no doubt. There's some no of that doubt. money but, as well, but, right? But Bitcoin, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and, you know, it's, it's like Luke Grum said. I mean, Bitcoin's the, Bitcoin's the fire alarm that hasn't been suppressed. I mean, all the monetary fire alarms like gold and others, have, you know, they've been suppressed. But Bitcoin hasn't yet. I mean, they're going to try to. But the problem they've got there is that everything settles back to the chain, whereas, and which is part of the, the advantage of Bitcoin is distributed, you know, that it's not centralized. I mean, gold is centralized. It's in, it's in, you know, central banks, it's in banks, it's in depositories. And guess what? Human beings can lie. I mean, you know, an open ledger that everybody can see, you can't really lie about that. I mean, it's just there. So it, it's, you know, th this paper gold has really caused us all enormous pain. And yet it's in the process of blowing up. And, you know, that's why, even if, you know, you hate Bitcoin and there, there are reasons I get why some people hate it because, you know, the attitude of some people promoting it. But even if you hate it, you got to root for it to help overthrow fiat. Um, you know, I'm giving a speech. I'm going to the New Orleans Gold Show in October and I'm in the process of writing my speech for it. And it's really just a, a sound money rallying cry that says, 
you know, we have got to destroy, you know, this, this fiat system or else, you know, we're going to destroy ourselves in the world. I mean, you know, the Keynesian notion that you have to grow, that you have to have bigger growth forever or else, you know, the economy stinks. It's just insane. It's just stupid. Yeah, it's insane because we're in a world with, with limited resources. So unlimited growth and limited resources, I mean, you know, you're going to be the, you're going to be the, you know, the deer on, on, on the island in, in Alaska where, you know, where they die. They all die. You eventually get to a point where you overload the capacity of the island to serve you and you die. You know, so it, it's, I mean, what we need is we need efficiency. You know, we, we need, we need to have an efficient system where we get the most good for the least effort. And that's what we should be rewarding. And that, by the way, that actually implies deflation. But deflation, you know, of course, according to Bernanke, deflation is what, you know, made the depression so bad, not the fact that they blew the biggest bubble in the world, you know, before it. Um, and, and therefore, if we have deflation, we all die, you know, and, but they can always fight it by printing money, which they're doing. Well, and when you talk so, about when you talk about how flawed the Keynesian thought process is, you know, right. the, the aha moment there for me was just the fact that stocks always go up. Right. right. So you can focus on any one of the um, macroeconomic variables that the central banks are trying to micromanage. And there's a million of them, uh, right. you know, that they're trying to essentially uh, be the market for. And you can focus on any one of them. You can focus on the bond market. You can focus on, you know, unemployment. You can focus on whatever. But for me, when you look at that chart of the Dow and, you know, yeah. over the course of 100 years and it does nothing but go up and then you you see how the quote unquote thought leaders in the world of finance are revered for their expertise when all they do is say just buy because stocks always go up right you know right. that's buffett's made a whole career on saying that he's the right. oracle you know all he said is yep. you know always i remember a couple of years ago there was a big article somebody wrote you know buffett said the dow could go to fifty thousand, and it was like this big like fucking controversial like wow like how could that you know and that's what this guy has made a whole career out of just hoping that the central banks will be able to goose the markets forever and making that his analysis when, you know, people from outside the box look at that and they say there has to be a fatal flaw in here somewhere because it's just not natural for markets to always go up. So what who where is the consequence going to be? What, what you know, what 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 macroeconomic indicators are we brutalizing and distorting beyond complete repair in order to maintain this semblance that the market well, should always rise for one reason or the other, yeah, right? The, the, ob the obvious one is the underlying value of the currency. I mean, one way to make, you know, the market always go up is just to debase the currency, and that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, the other flaw in Keynesianism, and we talked about kind of the perpetual growth flaw, the other flaw in Keynesianism is it suggests that savings is bad. Right. And savings. Savings is not bad. Savings is good. Savings is what allows, you know, saving capital and producing capital and not spending it and then investing it in capital goods to make more things. That's what increases productivity. And it's productivity that gives us all better lifestyles. So, you know, increased productivity is what increases good economic outcomes. Right. And yet and yet the Keynesians believe that, no. We got to increase growth at all expense. Forget the productivity; it's not relevant. You know, it, even if we have to borrow from ourselves in the future, I mean, they're bringing all this future demand into today's life 
just to try and pump that growth number, but it's like eating the seed corn. You know, you gotta you want to have a bigger harvest, you gotta plant more seed corn. You plant more seed corn by saving and having capital and savings that you can that you can get a return on. And you know, we we're not getting returns. I mean, there's I mean, why would anyone save in a zero percent interest rate environment? You know, the currency by definition is worthless. It's a tautology. I mean, it's just it's it's obvious that with no earnings on capital, you're not going to get savings. Therefore, you're not going to get productivity growth. Therefore, you know, all we really are is we're like that wealthy British family that's you know in the 30s and selling off the the estate and the silver, you know, to support our lifestyle. And pretty soon the estate and the silver will be gone and we'll be fucked. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's what's happening. But and, that's the you truth. Know, you know, right? I, I was just discussing this at dinner last night with a friend of mine. That they've, that we've essentially sold out the whole country. We don't produce right. anything anymore. We are in such a far more precarious position than, than most people think. Absolutely. And, and the reason and the reason it hasn't fully surfaced, although a lot, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say fully surfaced because it's surfacing. There's a lot of bad out there. But the reason it hasn't completely surfaced is because we've got all the guns and we won World War Two. And there's right. a lot of there's a lot of history and a lot of, you know, and and, and 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 by the way, to give us credit, I mean, we do have a more stable you know, legal system than a lot of places. I mean, I wouldn't want to live in China. I wouldn't want to be under the Chinese regime. You know, but, um, you know, which is not to say that we're not enormously corrupt, because as you and I both know, there's enormous corruption going on in, in what's happening these days. I mean, I tweeted a few months ago or something. Did you see all the all the politicians buying the N- NVIDIA stock before that big government contract? Oh, my God. Out. Yeah. Right. Sick. I mean, it's just Pelosi's it, husband. Yeah. It's just it's five million dollars worth. It's just unbelievably sick how corrupt the system is. And we can see it. You know, and, and really the only way we can all collectively vote against it is to take our money out of their system as much as possible and put it in sound money, which is silver, gold, and Bitcoin, in my opinion. Some people would disagree on the Bitcoin. I, I think if they if they are disagreeing, I would beg them to take the time to read the Bitcoin standard by Safedine Amos and understand what it really is. Um, forget all the shit coins, forget all the other crap, forget all the pumpers. You know, just look down to core principles of what Bitcoin is. It, you know, money before money was gold, money was a ledger. When we were sitting around in caves, okay, they were saying, "All right, I killed two bison. I'm going to put some marks on the wall. You owe me two bison, and then when you kill some, we'll we'll put your marks on the wall." They didn't even know what gold was. I mean, money's just social obligations between people, right? I did something. I got I got a chit. Okay, I can spend my chit for what you did, and you know that's a ledger. That's not something physical. A lot of gold guys get stuck up on this. Well, it's got to be a physical thing you can touch. It's real. It's been around for 5,000 years. Okay, fine. I, I buy all that. It's all true. And I love gold. I got a ton of gold. But, you know, if you, can get a, if you can get a ledger that nobody can fuck with, which is what Bitcoin is, you know, it could be a ledger as well. You know, money can be a ledger. And, and by the way, you know, Bitcoin is causing these guys some serious heartache. I mean... You know, it's Bitcoin is more or less in a period of hyperinflation. You know, the dollar is kind of hyperinflating in Bitcoin terms, which is causing them a lot of trouble. And in you know, I have to laugh. I think it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Oh yeah, sooner, you know, you know, the there's been the, some. The sooner the system collapses, the sooner our kids and our grandkids are going to get on a sound money system, and we're going to be in better shape. And all this stupid nonsense that's going on is going to stop. You know, there's, there's it's unbelievable how screwed up things are. So. Yeah, you know there's been some meetings uh, with some very uncomfortable 
conversations between the people that are supposedly in charge and know what they're doing. That was another thing we talked about at dinner last night. You know, how the government gives the illusion that behind the scenes there's this efficient process working for the best interest of Americans. When really I said, you know, it's just people sitting around the boardroom table waiting for the meeting to end so they could go home and go about their lives. Nobody really gives a shit and nobody really knows what the fuck is going on. I mean, it's yeah, just, right. it's just, yeah. it's like the beginning of uh, I Love Lucy or whatever, where the, you know, the shit starts piling up coming down the conveyor belt. You know, just, yeah. just work piling up and people ignoring their, you know, responsibilities and just trying to just trying to maintain complacency for the time being. And Bitcoin is one of those things that comes in. And whether you're for it or against it, you can't deny that it has served up some people, some major shitburgers, because it is, <laughs> it's forcing people to rethink, well, how do we control this thing? Well, what if, you know, a trillion dollars pours into it, you know, and it becomes systemic? Well, you know what is the future going to be? Well, what does it say about the commentary about confidence in the dollar? And so, you know, mm. Bitcoin has puckered up the buttholes of a couple of, you know, oh, big time. prominent government people. And that brings me a lot of joy. That brings me a lot yes, of joy that exactly. it is. It is almost certainly. And you can say what you want about Bitcoin. I don't have a huge allocation to it. I own Silvergate Capital's my biggest position, which is a crypto bank that I like. Um, but you can say what you want about it. But for my money, I enjoy the fact that I know it has, it's, it's causing the wheels to turn in the yeah. heads of some of these people. Yeah. One, of my, one of my sound money friends, he says, you know, what I love about it is, I mean, we got all those formal gold guys and old guys, you know, we're all trying to fight the system, bring sound money back. And here you got these, you know, these crazy kids with, you know, pitchforks and torches and they're, you know, they're just charging the Citadel. I mean, they just want to run at the Federal Reserve and just rip it apart. <laughs> And, you know, are they loud and irreverent and sometimes assholes? Yeah, sure, at times, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, you know, their, their, heart's, their heart's in the right place. I mean, the notion of not having sound money, you know, that's, you want to ask why we are where we are. That's what's going on. And, you know, the, the unfortunate thing, I was, I was looking at this the other day. I was reading something on Twitter about, you know, just, you know, it's been so long since we had anything close to sound money in this bubble. Let's go, let's go to the stock market bubble for a minute. I mean, you got to look at some of this, you know, some of the things on the web about it. I mean, it's it's amazing how much of a bubble this stock thing is. Just amazing. And you know, their portfolio managers. If if you got into this business anytime after two thousand eight, you haven't seen a bear market ever. So that's tw that's twelve years ever. So ever, right? So I mean, there are, there are people who got into the business in their mid twenties. They're now you know established and running real money. They're in their late thirties or early forties. And they've never seen a bear market, you know, and it's it's all good. And this is normal. And, you know, I talked to a guy who was looking at putting some money in my fund, and he went to five traditional wealth managers, and they all recommended very, very heavy allocation of the U.S. stock market and the triple Qs and all the big names. Yeah, you know, we well, know. yeah, buy the fucking NASDAQ now. Yep. Yeah, buy, buy Apple, buy Google, buy, you know, buy the fangs, right? Dickheads. And he said, he said I'm, I'm reaching out to you because it just doesn't feel right to me. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, he's not a, he's not a stock guy at all. He's an engineer. And he just said, he said, this doesn't feel right to me. And they're all saying the same thing. And yet I read some stuff and I'm like, it seems like the market's a bit overvalued. Should I be doing that? And I'm like, well, okay, let's talk. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, because you know, Chris, you've been at this for a while. I've been at this, this is not going to end well. The stock market is not going to end well. Now, I mean, it's almost going vertical right now. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's very hard because it could end tomorrow. It could be another couple of years of vertical. Who knows? But. 
But I, I can tell you this, I, I sure wouldn't have any of my money in the general U.S. stock market. It's just, it's a complete shit show. So, Yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> there's no shortage of useful idiots out there that are willing to buy, you know, think about what is going through the mind of a wealth manager slash financial planner that says you want to buy the Qs. I mean, listen, when I got my graduation money from high school in 2001 and went to go to an A.G. Edwards branch to invest, I told this scumbag sitting behind the desk that I wanted to put all the money in Apple, which, by the way, was doing terribly at the time. But I was following the turnaround story. I was, I've was i been a huge Apple fan my whole life. I built my first Apple IIe when I was in, like, you know, third grade. I was just, you know, I loved the brand. I had taken a like. They were the only computers I had ever used. And this guy was like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You want to buy the Qs. The Qs had just come out. You know, okay. I think uh, the idea of an ETF in the Qs was like one of the first ones had just happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, you want to buy the Qs. I guess then they were getting, you know, probably a huge commission off of it or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, here yeah. we are 20 years later and nothing's changed. You know, the financial advisors are still telling you, buy the Qs, right? And now yeah. to their credit over the last 20 years, they, the Qs are probably up 10x over the last you know, yeah. 20 years no, or whatever. But there's there's no independent thought going into that recommendation. It is literally, it's the Fed's narrative handed right. down to everybody that this is always going to work and that's what you want to own and right. that's it. And nobody thinks, hey, could well, this thing break at some point? No, you know, no right. one ever can. There, so there's, there's, there's just no shortage right. of useful idiots to tow the same fucking line right. uh, in well, the finance industry. Yeah, and that's and that's where I, I put a thread up on this on Twitter too, and, and I think it was Soros, one of the great investors, who said something along the lines of, you know, the the way you do well in investing is you, you find out what the you know what the narrative is that's wrong, and then you wait, and you bet you know, and you bet against it when it appears to be cracking. And I tell you what, I think that is right now. I mean, the narrative thus far is the Fed has our back, and the right. Fed will always have our back. And we just do not have to worry about it. So party on golf in on the stock market and, and, and in the bond market everywhere. I mean, you know, why people would buy a 10 year yielding, you know, 130 is beyond me. But um, so the Fed in theory has our back. And so you got to ask yourself, is that really right? Is it possible that the Fed at some point the Fed does not have your back? And that's what I that's what I believe will happen. And I think it could happen rather dramatically and rather quickly. And you know, the other the other assumption a lot of people what catalyzes make that though. Well, right. it, it it's unclear. It's very unclear. I mean, it could you know, I don't know, but it's so. So first of all, you got to get more and more people thinking and doubting the Fed. I mean, you know, ten years ago nobody doubted them. I mean, or, or a few of us did, but um, you know, it quickly got overtaken by all the people who believe, and of course, then the self reinforcing growth in the market. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's some big event where, you know, they fail and everyone says, oh, my God, you know, we're, we're getting screwed here. And I, I think actually, Chris, what it will be is it'll be kind of a jumping the rails kind of thing. One of the things that people assume is that the markets are continuous. And I, I did a thread on this on Twitter a while back. I mean, what, what if we woke up one morning? You know, and um, the bond, you know, the stock market was down 800 points, um, you know, on some news event, unknown, unclear, right? Um, you know, stock market was down 800 points, gold was up $200, and the bond market was hugely off, so the interest rates were rising. 
you know, and the band would step up and make a ton of announcements, like they did. And, I mean, and a good dress rehearsal, this was March of last year, right? I mean, you know, COVID thing came on and everything really started falling apart. And, and you know, Powell came in and did his draggy moment, right? Whatever it takes, don't worry, we're going to solve it. And I'll never forget it because gold went up 100 bucks, you know, a day for two days in a row. Um, what, what's going to happen, in my view, is there could be a big market shock and the Fed could try and do the draggy moment. Everyone goes, I don't believe it. Screw it. I'm going to keep buying gold. I'm going to keep buying Bitcoin. I'm going to keep selling stocks. I'm going to keep, you know, selling the bond. And and so they go down again. And then all the circuit breakers get hit. We're now down 20%. You know, and Biden comes on the TV and says, everything's fine. Don't panic. The Fed's got it all in control. And everyone looks about and thinks, about this. do they really? I'm not sure. How much cash have I got? How much is I got? <clears throat> and the markets open up again and they sell off heavy. And then Biden has to come on and says, you know what? Like FDR did, because they did this in the 30s, as you recall. You study it. We're closing the market for 10 days, right? Because we, you know, in other words, the sellers have just totally swamped. There are right. no buyers, right? We're closing the market for 10 days. Well, you know, what the fuck is that all about, right? I mean, we, you know, we got this free market, but you got to close it. I mean, you want to talk about creating panic, right? When 10 days are over and then it opens again, it's more of the same, right? You know, more selling. I mean, and gold goes up a thousand bucks, you know, if you can find some. You know, Bitcoin is Bitcoin is doubled or tripled. I mean, all you follow where I'm going with this? I mean, it's just a, it's yeah. a literally everybody everything's wants, fine until it isn't. Exactly, and everybody wants the other side of the trade all at once, and there is no going back. Yeah, I mean, you either have sound money, have real stuff, or you don't. And you might look at your stock account. I mean, imagine if every American who's got a big retirement account that's invested in the queues woke up one day and realized, holy shit. You know, I just got marked down 40%, and it might be worse than that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it would be a lot. I mean, you, you're talking massive panic. And a lot of people, it'd be 29 on steroids. A lot of people would say, fuck, I mean, you know, I can't. My attendance going to be wiped out. i got to get out of here. And they'd say sell. And it would just, I mean, who would be the buyer? That's the question. Who would be the buyer? I don't see it. I just don't. And the Fed would say, well, don't worry. We've got it all under control. Okay, fine. You know, you're going to print the, the paper to have it all under control, but suddenly everyone's going to see those Fed numbers, see the, the balance sheet growth, see what they're printing, get a sense of what's going on. They're going to go, well, yeah, of course you're going to print the paper, but the paper's going to be worthless. Right. You know? So have I got gold? Have I got silver? Have I got Bitcoin? Have I got real estate? Have I got real stuff? I mean, the stuff you have, the guns you have, the cars you have, the food you have, the houses you have, and all that will have value. You know, and then suddenly, you know, people who are living in cities will be thinking, oh, my God, I'm not in the right place. And people who are living in farms will be thinking, God, I'm glad I'm here. You know, and it'll be just a whole shift in how it all goes down and how everybody feels about life. And there'll be no going back. It's a it's a one-time deal. Yeah. You know, well, and you're I, either, I said you're this shit. You're, you're not. And look, what, what, you know, and I hate to, you know, I hate to be gloom and doom, but I, but I just, it just feels to me like the way it's likely to happen. Now, what's going to catalyze that and make that happen? I don't know. You know, and there's a part of me that hopes that we just kind of gradually inflate and grow our way out of it and that, you know, we gold and silver and Bitcoin investors all do well and that eventually the government wakes up and goes, you know, we got a serious inflation problem here. We've really screwed up this monetary system. We need to do a complete and total reset. You know, we're going to go to a gold standard. We're going to go to a, you know, Bitcoin and we're going to, we're going to reset the system, you know. Um, but look at our political constellation. What are the odds of that? You think those people down there can really figure that out on their own? I, I kind of doubt it. 
you know, they're not the brightest guys in the in the room. So, well, I don't know. I, this is what I said going into COVID at the beginning right. of 2020. You know, in January, February, the market was doing nothing but going up. And I said on one of my podcasts, you know, everything's fine until you wake up one day and it isn't. And right. all of a sudden we woke up one day and fucking COVID was a thing. And here we are, by the way, two years later. Yep. Many of the uh, fears that I had about COVID have since been beyond alleviated. And our reaction, of course, is uh, remains at a face rip off fever pitch still people are scared shitless and completely overreacting and just absolutely losing their minds over this now two years two years late right when we were supposed to have urgency about this in january when we didn't know fuck all about it nobody wanted to nobody gave a shit it was like yeah come on fly into new york city who cares you know you know know. then i was saying maybe we should maybe we should slow down travel because we don't really know what's going on you know, now here we are. This thing's everywhere. It's going to be everywhere forever. COVID is not going away. Everybody knows it. And we're continuing to try to micromanage. It just falls into that same bucket of yeah, they, we are ethnocentric and we are completely arrogant and we believe that we can control everything and we can't. We are very, 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 very tiny uh, carbon-based life forms on a globe that's in the middle of a fucking... Uh, you know, solar system that's in the middle of a super cluster of galaxies that nobody knows shit about. And we're here thinking we're <laughs> going to be able to fucking manage, uh, you know, when a- an invisible virus that's everywhere can and cannot get into our nose by disinfecting every surface that we touch during the day. I mean, people are fucking idiots. <laughs> well, that's right. And then and then you add the political overlay to it. Oh, so God. That, you know, so, that, so that known proven solutions like... My big bug on COVID that just it just drives me absolutely insane is the the campaign to kill ivermectin. I mean, it's just it's it's nuts. I mean, you know, um, that and it just shows you how broken and corrupt the system well, is. Well, the right? problem is that you have the government who you know it is not in their interest for people to look at ivermectin from an objective lens. And I know that you know that meta analysis of ivermectin proved uh, to be. Uh, inaccurate, and I know that there isn't any randomized uh, clinical trials that have proven ivermectin's benefit uh, for COVID. So let's say that right up front. Um, it is so it is not in the government's interest for people to look into ivermectin because it's preventing their plan of getting everybody vaccinated. And um, right. but the uh, you know if you look at what happened over the last couple of days with Joe Rogan saying you know I've taken ivermectin. Uh, because I had COVID symptoms as part of a cocktail of things and I'm bouncing back and whatever. Uh, it's a combination of the government. You know, it's not being in the interest of the government to talk about ivermectin and people not having any clue about ivermectin. I've been watching people that obviously haven't even done the first, you know, 10 seconds of research on it, it which is something as simple as, you know, just listening to like Dr. Pierre Corey talk about it, right? L- listening right. and taking both sides, right? He did a great right. debate with us with the scientist on uh, trial site news, you know, pros and cons of ivermectin. And, I didn't see it, yeah. you know, the, anybody who's done a little bit of research understands that the, the drug, you know, the, the person who discovered ivermectin won a Nobel Prize for its discovery. It's been, you know, it's on the who's list of essential medicines. It's been administered billions of times. Yes, the indication 
for prescription has always been as an antiparasitic and not as an antiviral. Yes, 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 yes. There's still no, you know, major proof that it works for COVID. Fine. We'll concede that point. But when you look at Rogan, who said that, and then you see the backlash, you know, Variety, The Atlantic, Vice coming out and just saying, Joe Rogan is taking horse medicine. Joe Rogan is taking horse pace. It's like, you stupid motherfuckers. Like, you haven't (laughs) even done, you haven't even done 10, either either you are grossly negligent in the way that you're presenting this. You're so eager to tow the government's narrative that ivermectin doesn't work without having a fucking clue whether or not it does or it doesn't. You're so eager to do that. You're so, you know, again, you're another one of these useful idiots that just buys what they're told. Uh, Either that or you are just grossly uninformed about, you know, ivermectin at all. Or it's just, you know, so to to watch what has happened over the last couple of days with him and people coming out, you know, to, for the for the mainstream media to say it's horse paced when it is, yeah. you know, when it's been administered uh, billions of times to human beings with, uh, with with no adverse side effects. By the way, all I mean, that does, yeah, see, all that yeah, does let's, is let's, give let's, gravitas to people right. that are arguing for open minded. You know, it, it does right. the opposite. They're trying to discredit Joe Rogan. And all it does of, is give him gravitas for being open-minded and right. thinking but, it of it and considering but, it objectively. Sorry, go ahead. But but you've seen the billions of dollars that have been made by the pharma companies that are selling the Merck! Merck is the company that, that fucking produces ivermectin. And Merck has come out and said, well, we're not sure about the safety profile. It's like, well, motherfuckers, you should have thought of that when you were fucking donating billions of doses to people in Africa. Like, you come out now and say that? Like, give me a break. Right. Well, it's because there's, there's, once again, it's it's off patent, so it's cheap, and there's a lot more money in the jab, and you know, and of course now they're going to try and push us for multiple jabs, and I mean, it's you know, it's just insane. It it is really really insane, and you know, in this world, all we can do is critically think for ourselves, and you know, take care of you know the ones we love, and try and do what we believe to be right, and state what we believe to be right. I mean, I think. You know, the, the monetary collapse that I see coming, you know, which we all agree is kind of the fourth turning. I mean, to me, the fourth turning is all about sound money in this particular round. And, um, um, you know, when this monetary collapse comes, a lot of this nonsense is just going to get washed away because people aren't going to have time to be watching TV and debating, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, they're going to be just worried about, you know, taking care of their families, putting food on the table and rebuilding. You know, and, and, you know, the good news is that if we do get back to a sound money standard, the rebuilding can happen, I think, a lot faster than a lot of people understand. I mean, if we don't get into a shooting war, you know, there's there's nothing that's been destroyed. I mean, there's been a lot. There'll be a lot that's been destroyed amongst, you know, people who hold bonds and you know, wealthy people who haven't protected themselves. But, you know, the average person doesn't have a huge you know amount of wealth. And, you know, if, if all the if, if the dollar goes to zero in nominal value compared to precious metals or something else, you know, everyone will still just go back to working on the, whatever the new standard is, you know, and the new standard will be established. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully what will happen, and I think this is what it's going to take as a collapse, is that the next generation of politicians are going to be sound money people. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't recall his name, but uh, people should take a look at the mayor of Miami. Um, um, you know, Cuban-American. He's born in America, but his parents were Cuban. And uh, he's very much a sound money guy. You know, handsome, chariz- charismatic, young. Um, you know, this this guy's going places. I mean, and, and that's what will happen. I mean, there'll be, 
there'll be sound money people that will emerge as this fourth turning gets further and further into it and as the system gets more and more broken and it's obvious and so and that's what we need i mean we need we need a better set of politicians um because the people who are there just you know it's 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 beyond bad it's it's horrible so let's talk about Australia, because I know you mentioned it oh, earlier. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when you talk about overreacting to uh, oh. a problem, um, yeah. Australia fits the bill. Um, oh, why boy. don't you tell yeah. the listeners what the hell is going on in Australia and then uh, yeah. give me your thoughts about it? Well, you can probably fill you can probably fill in the cracks better than I can. I just see what I read on Twitter and I read a few articles. I'm not. I'm not, you know, an Australian macro guy, but what I what I understand is that, you know, the reaction to just a small number of cases of COVID has just been, you know, uh, Orwellian in terms of the lockdowns, the, you know, punishing people for not having masks, um, you know, arrests, um, you know, and I think I saw something on Twitter the, a few days ago, which looked credible, that talked about, you know, them starting even probably put in some kind of a social scoring system where they would keep track of you know who was who was pushing back against the narrative that they're trying to push and uh man oh man i mean this is you know this is a country that was made of convicts thrown out of england you know a couple hundred years ago i mean it's like these people have really really um they've lost their fight if they if they submit to this stuff by the government i mean it's crazy i mean you, you probably have some of the details better than i do chris i don't i don't follow I don't follow it in great depth, but I've been shocked. Every every article I've read on it, I've been shocked at how aggressive the government has been at suppressing individual liberties in Australia. And I'm and I'm, I'm furthermore shocked that the Australians aren't pushing back and pushing back hard. I mean, if if our government tried to do some of what their government is doing, I mean, there'd be shooting. Right. You know, yeah. They, they, well, that's what I was going to ask you. They, how they how would it go over shit. in they the U.S. Do that shit in Ohio? You know what I mean? Or in you know they couldn't do that shit in 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 you know, in the Midwestern part of this country that's heavily armed. I can tell you that. So, well, I mean, I wanna... it's, you know, <clears throat> go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, the, I mean, and I talked to a lot of guys about this. It's interesting that they grabbed all the guns in Australia, right? A few years ago. And, um, you know, I'm, I, my guess is that our government, you know, does some calculation when they think about putting in Orwellian measures, you know, about, well, okay, what, what are the implications for this? And, you know, we got a lot of citizens that are heavily armed. Um, you know, <laughs> right? Australia doesn't have that. So yeah, and that's like another thing to think about because when you talk about gun control in the U.S. and people that are conservative bring up the argument of government tyranny, you know, right. and that was the whole point of the Second Amendment, right? A well-regulated right. militia for the purposes of protecting uh, uh, against government overreach, essentially. Well, right. here's your real, and of course, the liberals that argue for a total gun ban. They say, "Well, that's ridiculous. You know, you could never, you could never stand up to the government. The government has a nuclear arsenal. You know, blah 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 blah." But here's a here's a perfect real world example, right? So look at look yep. at what's going on in Australia, and I'm not saying that they are. Um, overreaching and broadly, you know, and I'm, I'm seeing these articles of people getting arrested on the subway for not wearing a mask and people, you know, their kids getting fucking taken away from them and stuff, you know, and I'm not saying that they're doing that because the, the populace is uh, unarmed, but I'm saying it probably uh, helps that the populace is unarmed. There, there's, there's 
thoughtful discussions in the U.S., I'm sure, by government entities when they consider things like we're talking about. Uh, it, it has to be brought up like, hey, you know, how are gun-toting conservatives in Texas going to take this news, right? right. Like, you know, That's how right. are gun-toting conservatives in Minnesota uh, you know, going to take this news? The answer is probably not well. And so that's right. right there, just the fact that there is a different consideration and more gravitas being given to the, the rights of citizens based on the fact that some of them are armed right there is, is a great case for, for gun exactly. ownership. Other, exactly. other than, even, you know, even, personal even protection if, even and all the other great shot, reasons. Yeah, even if a shot <clears throat> is never fired. Right. You know, um, um, it you know it's it's very interesting. I mean, you know the the um, there's a great story in World War II about the the Jews in Warsaw and how you know there was a small band I, I believe that hung on to their guns and fought back. Um, and I think they're pretty well wiped out. But um, you know, I've got some Jewish friends who are you know very aware of of this particular issue and are very big advocates of the Second Second Amendment for that reason. Um, and you know, it's interesting the data you're seeing. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people in this country are are right at the break point. You know, I mean, right. you, you take you take gasoline prices higher, you take food prices higher. You know, you throw enough people out of work. Um, you know, the I mean, I, it's it's interesting. I mean, that at this macro conference, there were some people who were saying, well, you know, look, if we don't, and on the coast, there are a lot of people saying, well, if we if we don't straighten up and fly right, we're going to lose. You know, we're going to lose to China. And Luke Roman, who's from Ohio, and I think is a brilliant macro analyst, you know, said, "Guys, you don't get it. You know, we already lost to China. You know, it's oh yeah, that, it, yeah. We're just I mean, waiting you, for you, them you, to flip the switch and and inform exactly. us right to I our mean, face. Yeah, I mean, you you come to Ohio, you come to Ohio, where basically all our jobs have been taken, and you know, the deaths from fentanyl and drug overdose, the, the deaths of, you know, economic despair, you know, suicide, fentanyl, alcohol, etc., are off the charts. Cocaine." Are off the charts, and 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 you'll see, you know, we've lost. Yeah. We've already lost. The question is, are we going to keep on losing, or are we going to start to to reset and and try and figure out a better way to deal with these guys? Because, um, and you know, there's a there's a point at which people just say no mas, and um, you know, I I gotta believe we're kind of getting closer to that point, which is very sad, but you know, it's it's not to be unexpected given the policies that have been pursued. Um, you know, the, the people on the coast do not understand the people in the middle of the country. And that's, what Oh, the, that's, you know, that's an understatement, I think. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, the people in the middle of the country are generally speaking law abiding, but there's a, there's only so far you can go, you know, and, and I gotta believe they're getting close to that line. The government's getting close to that line, you know, so it's rather sad, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I think that um, I, I do. I am an optimist, and I do think it's not as, as bleak. I mean, I think there'll be some very hard times, but I, I also think that there's a you know, there are many many good things going on in this world. There are many many good people in this world, and that really, you know, I mean, one of the things that always bothers me about the government is the way these guys get you know both sides. They get all of us fighting with one another over stupid shit. When in reality, this fight is really about, you know, most of the average people, we're all on the same side. We have more in common than we realize. And the fight is against the goddamn government. You know, these are the fuckers that ought to be, you know, in chains, not not us. Well, I mean, it's, you know. I want to go um, back. 
uh, too, real quick, as we're talking about COVID and the response to COVID and, you know, the, the, you know, we talk about, and I don't want to speculate as to whether or not this is nefarious by the government or whether it's just poor planning and just negligence and idiocy, because it could be either one of those things. Of late, I'm more convinced that it's just, you know, morons. It's just idiocy. It's just, you know, <laughs> it, 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 I, you know I'm just convinced it's just yeah, poor, poor planning I mean, from people I mean, that don't, I don't, know, I don't really know. know. But when bad, you look at something like, <clears throat> you look at something like the uh, Israeli study that just came out, a couple weeks ago, basically confirming that natural immunity uh, is more robust than the immunity offered by the vaccine. And that gets like swept under the rug. You can't help but think, man, like who who is at the top of the food chain? Who's calling the shots and what are their interests? Is it the pharma companies? Is it the government? Is it, you know, what, you know, I don't know if you saw a couple days ago, two top officials at the FDA resigned Two people that had been there for a combined total of 40 years resigned. I just wrote about this uh, on my Substack yesterday. These two officials resigned in anger, the report said, because Biden's administration was going forward with plans for COVID boosters that hadn't been approved by the agency. And so I asked in my blog post, like, so why is it insane for people that aren't vaccinated to say that they wanted to wait for FDA approval? When people at the FDA, top officials at the FDA, one of them was like the director of vaccines that's been there for 30 years, are resigning in protest because right. the government is skipping the step of getting these, you know, boosters uh, properly evaluated by the regulatory agencies. It's like, what is going on and who is calling the shots here and what are their motives? Well, yeah, I mean, it's. Look, it, to me, it's a it's a it's a pretty easy line to draw. I mean, you're either part of the elite and part of the system and taking the bribe, so to speak, or you're the rest of us. And right. um, you know, <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, it and and you know, you can it's it's it it, it tends to actually track with you know with with income and wealth um, because. You know the people to to do these things that aren't right. You know they they got to get paid highly to do it. And so, you know, if you work for the defense contractors, I mean, it was a great tweet that showed you know who was the winner of the Afghanistan war, and it showed the trillions of dollars, the multi trillions of dollars that had gone to all the U.S. defense contractors. And so, you know, you you want to talk you know big pharma, big medicine, you know even even to a degree big tech. I mean, you know, uh, there, there's you know these these people who are at the top of this system are doing very well. Thank you very much. Who but needs, they also they who, also know what the narrative is, and they know they know where their bread is buttered, and they're going to push policies and procedures that screw the rest of us and benefit them. You know, period, full stop. And, and of course, the people of the government are just right in the absolute center of it. Who needs you know, never, to have their pockets lined, and who needs to look at Afghanistan and say that this was such a resounding success? Or, you know, we completed our objective here to the satisfaction, to the point of satisfaction where we can leave $85 billion worth of military equipment, okay, which is equivalent to about 2 to 3% of total U.S. tax receipts for a year, right? That's like right. $85 billion is like between 2 and 3% of the total money that the entire country pays in taxes that we can just leave it there. Not only that we can right. just leave it there and ignore it and not, you know, 
not um, know where it's at or anything. But we, you know, it can also be left to arm the people that we came there to stop. Uh, right. You know, who who got, um, you know, who yeah, made at, who made such a killing in Afghanistan that they can look at the situation now and just say eighty five billion that's nothing. Just just leave it there. All's well that ends well. Yeah, no, I mean, it, well, you know, Obama with his $16 million house on, house on Martha's Vineyard, you know, George Bush, who's very wealthy, Cheney, who's very wealthy, you know, Wolfowitz, who's very wealthy, um, you know, uh, Rumsfeld, who's now dead, but, you know, is very wealthy. I mean, it's just, look, I mean, these people all benefit at the expense of the rest of us. And, you know, the only the only chance we have is 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 a protest and and just to say no i'm not i'm not playing your game i'm not going to be your pawn you know in every possible way i can i'm going to resist your narrative i'm going to resist your monetary <clears throat> system i'm going to resist the useless buying of the crap you want to sell me you know i'm going to resist in every single possible way because you know i'm not going to be a part of it you know um, and I'm going to speak out about it. You know, I mean, you know, bravo to Joe Rogan for for being as public as he's been about it. Right? right. I mean, it takes it takes guts. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I'm sure, you know, it could cost him sponsors. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's look, everybody, you know, it, when they're when they're when they're figuring out their behavior, you know, they look at the costs and the benefits and you can pretty clearly see who picks what side. You know, you know, I know Rogan gets a lot of things wrong. You know, right. I know he's not a doctor. I know, you know, for instance, when he brings on Graham Hancock and, you know, kisses Hancock's ass that, you know, they're peddling a lot of theories that don't really make a lot of sense. I know when he brings certain guests on and he talks about fringe topics that they're not always going to be right. But I never doubted his um objective which is to look at try to examine things honestly and just talk about them and well, you know that's, right. that, that's what yeah. wins uh my viewership for him is that is that he can talk about these things and he does you know <clears throat> he does push back on things that what? he thinks are disingenuous or incorrect or whatever as he approaches them but there's a reason that he's the number one podcast in the world and that he's got 11 million subscribers on youtube and the reason isn't because he's censoring himself or he's pandering to a narrative the reason is because he's thinking for himself and that exactly. you know that is what has put him in this position of power and what these dickheads don't realize is the more they try to control him and micromanage him and prove what an idiot he is and prove how wrong he is and this and that and the other the, the more he slips through their fingers, right? Which is well, just the beauty exactly of it right. all. And look, we're all, you know, including myself, we're, we're all wrong a lot. We're all entitled to be wrong. We Hell have yeah. opinions and they, and they can be wrong. But what I, you know, where I lose respect for some person is when I think they're bought, you know, right. when they're not, when they're not honestly saying, and I mean, look, you know, even people who I know are just horribly wrong, you know, like uh, a lot of things, you know, like, like, I mean, I'll give you an example, like a Bernie Sanders, you know, and, and he's probably to a degree bought, but I think he actually genuinely believes some of the stuff he pushes. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? And 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 he know, gets I mean, credit does... for consistency. My friend that I was at dinner with last night is from Vermont, and we were talking about just this and yeah. why Sanders gets credit in my book, at least for consistency, just like Ron Paul gets credit for consistency. Exactly. I mean, I, he's got a lot of ideas that are just flat eyes, dead out wrong. 
Yet, you know, he's somewhat right about the corruption and, you know, the way the system is rigged against people. I mean, right. he's got that piece of it right. And so I, you know, I, I look at every single piece of information I get and I kind of say, oh, what do I agree with here? What do I disagree with here? You know, but I can tell you that, you know, the people who are deep into the system and are taking the bribe, you know, you can pretty much consistently know that, you know, 95% of what they're saying is all just because they're taking the bribe. Yep. They're not even, as you point out, they're not even examining the evidence and they don't, they don't even, they won't even let you discuss the evidence. I mean, the ivermectin case being perfect. They try, you know, it's the Gandhi thing. They, they humiliate you. They you know, flail. You're taking, you're, they you're, flail. You're taking, you're taking horse medicine. Yeah, they flail you know, in an effort yeah. to just tow the narrative. There was a woman yesterday that right. responded to me uh, on Twitter about ivermectin by sending me the article about the meta-analysis being flawed, which I completely acknowledge. I totally acknowledge that ivermectin doesn't have any trials that show benefit in COVID, and I totally acknowledge that the meta-analysis that was relied upon, uh, you know, the Egyptian study was flawed, and that fucks up the whole meta-analysis, and that's fine. But she presented that piece of uh, evidence to me as if that was going to be the thing you know, that I hadn't seen yet that was going to change my mind, you know, like, well, right. here here you are, you know, and she wrote something like, do a little more research. And I was like, motherfucker, you do a little more research. I read this fucking thing three weeks ago, the day it came right. out. Not only that, right. but I listened to, you know, Pierre Corey and Brett Weinstein's response to it and uh, uh, Tess Laurie's response to it. You know, so yeah. I, I'm calibrated here as to where the story is. Look at the claims that I'm making. Am I saying ivermectin's the cure for COVID? No, that's not what I'm saying, you know. But am I saying that questioning the safety profile of a drug that's been administered billions of times to human beings is a, is a little much and calling it horse medicine, horse paste, when it has clearly right. been administered to people is a bit much? Of course that's what I'm saying. So there's exactly. nuance there that people that are, uh, you know, so happy to just tow the, the 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 company line, there's nuance yep. there that they just don't get. You know, just like people on the right can be stupid and dumb and simple and one-dimensional, and they could just say, you know, like, I just don't fucking trust them, you know, without examining the evidence, people on the left can do the same thing. They can have Absolutely. such a boner to, to fucking pander to, you know, the uh, Fauci's narrative or whoever's narrative that they don't even critically examine for themselves what the fuck they're saying. And, you know, it's just... We got a country full of people like that. It's certainly wild, but it's not going to leave us any shortage of things to talk about. Well, that's for sure. And what I try and do is I honestly, actually, I try and avoid a lot of that stuff because I try and I focus in on the area that I'm, you know, good at and where I think I add value, which is, you know, trying to find sound money investments, you know, good sound money investments. And there are plenty of them out there laying around. I mean, there's, you know, we've just had a big correction. As you say to your listeners, we've just had a huge correction in the, you know, in the gold stocks. Um, you know, the, you know, March of last year came and gold stocks went on a tear and did it extremely well up into August and some of them continued into the end of the year. And since then we've done nothing but correct. And so if you haven't gotten into this trade, so to speak, um, I would say now is an extremely good time to be thinking about getting into this trade because I think the narrative right now is that they're going to taper and they're going to go back to normal and everything's going to be fine and inflation's transitory. And that narrative is going to completely and totally blow up. I mean, it's just a, it's an enormous lie and it's a complete joke. And as that narrative blows up, gold is going to go through 2000 and then silver is going to go through 30 and we're going to be into a real game on situation. Yeah. And, yep. you know, when this next this next run in these precious metals, 
is going to blow people's hair back. I mean, it's really going to be something to behold. Oh, yeah. And I so, think gold will go from 1800 to 3600 in probably, like, less than a year. Like, it's going to be I, I, it'll I, be I a face-ripping fucking rally that's going to wake I, I some people the fuck up. I completely up. agree. When, when, everyone, when everyone comes to the conclusion that yep. the Fed has an em- empty hand and they call their bluff, gold is going to rip people's faces off. And, you know, it's going to do a Bitcoin. Silver is, too. Silver is, too. And so... You know, from an investment point of view, it doesn't feel very good right now because it's not really working. They're not going down much, but they're just not going up. And everyone's kind of forgetting about them. But once again, think about what the narrative is that's wrong. You know, do, do people really think we don't have enormous inflation with houses up 18% year on year, rents going up 13% a year? You know, I mean, on and on and on. I mean, steel prices just tripled. You know, um, it, it, we have a lot of inflation. And we're gonna nothing continue to see, to right? Inflation. Nothing to see. There's yeah, a, there's yeah, a bullshit excuse for everything, Larry. Well, that's right. <laughs> there is. Well, yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Well, when you're, especially when you're, especially when you're in the government and, you know, and it's in your interest and it, it lines your pocket to push that excuse and that narrative. But, you know, gosh, I mean, people have got to be waking up. And, be, and coming to realize, I mean, I know a lot of people who are really big government supporters, and even they're starting to say, God, this just, this shit doesn't foot, you know? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't foot anymore. And what the hell is going on? Yep. And I mean, it's like, and then you get, you know, you get this Af- Afghanistan withdrawal. I mean, it's like, that's a horror show. And, you know, it's just, I mean, okay, what, what you know, can anybody here play this game? Are I mean, you paying people's... attention yet? Yeah, right. I mean, does anybody here really understand, you know, what's what's going on? I mean, I, I you know, uh, so again, it's 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 back to kind of tipping point theory, you know. What I mean, and I think I think we're getting to a tipping point here. And uh, you know, I use the fourth turning model. I'm sure you do too. A lot of us do. I mean, there's a lot of change that's about to happen in the next couple of years, and I think it's extremely important for individuals and their families that they be on the right side of this change. I mean, you want to be in sound money investments period full stop you know it's gonna it's gonna alter your economic outcome substantially in the next five or ten years you know and if you're not in sound money investments if you're playing around with the triple q's and you got a bunch of bonds and you you know you don't have anything that represents sound money you are not going to do well in the next five or ten years you just aren't you know so it's that's my that's the message i just try and pound home to everybody because I know that sound money investors are also limited government, you know, generally speaking, honest, want to see a, a, an ethical society. Whereas, you know, these guys who are running the drug companies, running the defense companies, all that other stuff, they don't give a shit. They just want to make a ton of money by pushing their bullshit narratives, you know, and jabbing us with these things. I mean, it's like, screw them, screw them. I mean, take care of your own, you know, and, and bet on the stuff that you know to be true, which is that, you know, gold and silver have been money for 5,000 years. And there'll be money long after the dollar is gone and the dollar is going down. So it's, you know, to me, that's, that's the important message. You know, that's, that's the signal through all the bullshit noise that you're talking about. And right. There's a lot of noise. It's very hard, but stick to the signal, get your investment piece, right? Because if the sound money people have all the money in the future, because we've won and we made the right bet, we're going to be able to go in there and fix the government. You know, the sound money people are going to have the money to run for office and they're going to have the, the credit credibility and the gravitas to run for office. Hey, I got this right. You know, you want to continue backing these idiots who screwed it all up? or You want to back somebody who's smart, who got this shit right? 
you know, um, we've got a solution to this problem. You know, we can go back to, you know, the America that we had before 71 when, you know, when we decided to start printing money with, with, with abandon. You know, we can go back there. You know, we can go back to the America we had in the 1800s. I mean, the period from, you know, the early 1800s to 1913 when the Fed was established was just an amazing period of economic growth and general well-being. And by the way, it was deflationary. Keynes hadn't been born yet. Right. You know, it was yeah. deflationary. And everyone, you could retire, every, everyone ended up better off. I mean, you know, even the poorest people in 1900 were better off than some of the, you know, the, the most well-to-do people in 1800 because things, living standards had improved so much. And uh, by the way, that whole time we were on a gold standard, the entire time. And, you know, talk to some mainstream Keynesian economists and they'll tell you how the gold standard caused the depression and it's an evil thing. Yeah, yeah, but well, but that's because that's because they don't get paid for telling the truth. Correct. They get paid. They get paid for parroting the state for line, being a useful period. idiot. Right. Yes. For parroting the state line. Right. You know, if you're an Austrian economist, you try and teach Austrian economics at a college. You don't get grants. You don't get funds. You don't get hired. If you're a Keynesian economist. Oh, you're, you know, the world is your oyster. You're Paul Krugman. You're you know, you win the Nobel Prize. You write for The New York Times. You, you go to Princeton, you get listened to, but you know, meanwhile, you're an idiot. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So you gotta, you gotta think about that, you know, right. You just gonna know there's a small collective of people out there that understand just how little you actually know and how tired and played out, you know, the, uh, the band-aids are and the bullshit excuses are Larry. I want to thank you so much for coming on brother, taking the, uh, Thanks, Chris. interview, yeah, man. Really, let's, let's do it again. Uh, catch up, uh, before the anytime, end of the year, right? Anytime you like, I, I hope I didn't swear too much, but <laughs> it is what it is. I enjoyed talking to you, Chris. Good luck to you. Talk All soon. right. Speak to you okay, soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was the one, the only Larry Lepard. Good dude, man. Love fucking talking to him. Happy the podcast is back. I want to thank one more time my patrons of the podcast, people like Jay Mintzmeyer, Russ Valenti, Crichton Titus, who just emailed me. What's up, brother? Camila Soul, Nicholas Parks, Ken R., Investors Underground, Corvus Gold, and uh, thank the founding members of my uh, Fringe Finance column on Substack, um, I write pretty much every day on Substack now. So if you're looking for more content, that link is also in my podcast description. I thank you guys so much for your continued support. And uh, the podcast is going to be back on the regular now because my shit's set up. Fools, I'm out of here. Peace. Oh, have a good weekend, by the way. It's Friday, so I'll probably drink some tequila tonight. Not that you care about any of that, but I've started drinking uh tequila neat once in a while and it's quite nice so if you have a tequila recommendation you can leave that for me too leave it in the comments of one of my Substack articles let me know what kind of fucking tequila you like and what kind of tequila i should try uh other than that uh the world's going to shit and have a great weekend bye